I'm Dr. Future, your host. I invite you to join me as together we experience a future quake. 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 Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom. I don't know nothing bionic. Oh, that's the name I always call you. (laughs) That's what a lot of people call me. Welcome to a new week of Future Quake. It's great to be back with you. And this week we have a fantastic guest. Uh, We have Mr. Henry Lamb, who is the chairman of Sovereignty International and has his fingers in a little bit of everything. I've been looking forward to this guy. I can't wait. In fact, he's a favorite son here in Tennessee, uh, just down the road a stretch from Nashville. Uh, has some connections with Dr. Michael Coffin, who we had on a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. and is behind a lot of things that we're very supportive of. But we're going to talk about some very unique things he's got going on mm-hmm. that I'm very excited about. And that's what we call our show, uh, Positive Initiatives to Promote Freedom and Responsible Finance. Mm-hmm. And you're going to really be inspired, I think, by this show. I'm already inspired. Uh, this but that was by the ice cream I had for dessert. Yeah. But you've you've... Sort of know what's coming, though. A little bit. Our listeners don't know yet. That's true. But with no further ado, we need to introduce Mr. Lamb, and then we'll be right back to wrap it up here on Future Quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I'm Dr. Future. And I'm Tom Bionic. And we have, I always say this, a great, fantastic guest. Sometimes we have a few mediocre ones thrown in there. Yeah. But no, I can, you never say that, but, well, I mean, you know, we But can I can it. safely <laughs> say this week we have... Um, not only a great guest, but one that, that I wish we could have had on a long time ago. Yeah. And there's no time like the present. Well, And I guess we should introduce him as well, too. Yeah. Uh, today we have Henry Lamb, who is the chairman of Sovereignty International, mm-hmm. as well as association with a number of other organizations. And we're going to talk today about positive initiatives to promote freedom and responsible finance. And, uh, Mr. Lamb, I just want to tell you it's an honor to have you on the Future Quake Show. Well, it's my pleasure. Uh, and it's also uh, even more wonderful to know that we have people like yourself mm-hmm. here in our own general neck of the woods, yeah. uh, within arm's reach of, almost within our radio signal length, uh, where you're located here in the, the greater Middle Tennessee area. And we are looking forward to discussing some of the many nationwide initiatives that you have been leading to uh, advance the freedoms and interests of our fellow citizens. Uh, including some collaboration with uh, another recent and popular guest that we had on, uh, Dr. Michael Kaufman. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it made me think, you know, we, we, we mentioned people like the Rockefellers and things like that occasionally on our show who, whose hands are yeah. interspersed we throughout wouldn't have every show. aspect <laughs> of society. Yeah. And I like to look at you, Mr. Lamas, as like sort of a positive yeah. equivalent to that. Uh, because I find your hand, the more research I've done, the more I found your handprints on so many foundational things, uh, so many good things that so many people are doing. So mm-hmm. I'm glad we have people like you on our side to counter uh, those wealthy, powerful interests on the other side. Well, it is uh, a matter of uh, doing what has to be done, and uh, I'm just uh, thankful that uh, I am able to do 
what I'm able to do, which from my perspective is nowhere near enough. <laughs> well, oh, you, you, how humble. You've exhibited oh, a life cool. you've exhibited a lifestyle though. Uh you you have an entire life of uh your devotion uh, to looking out for your fellow man. I just really appreciate you taking your time for us uh, in your very busy schedule, which comprises management of a lot of these groups that we'll be talking about, as well as duties such as your weekly column on World at Daily. Uh, isn't that correct? You're a weekly columnist there? Oh, yes. Uh, World at Daily, I've been writing for them since they first started years ago. And a number of other publications uh, pick up my weekly column. Uh, well, that's that's fantastic. You know, we've had Joseph Fair on our show uh, before, and uh, it's just great to have you here. And I know that's a forum for you to provide a lot of influence uh, yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, to begin our discussions and to introduce you to our audience, could you share with us a little bit about your background and upbringing? Sure. I was born in uh, Durham, North Carolina. Moved to Florida when I was eight. I uh, went back to North Carolina uh, for high school. I uh, quit high school in the uh, 12th grade three days before graduation to go play in a dance band at Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. <laughs> got married. My wife got pregnant. Quit the band. Went to surveying in the swamps of Florida for $37 every two weeks. Uh, you didn't want to go all the way back there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, no, no, go ahead. Nonetheless, uh, uh, I... Uh, was going to a little Baptist church in Sarasota, Florida, back in the uh, 50s, with a wife and two kids and no uh, high school diploma. And uh, at that church, I uh, discovered that I needed to do something with my life. And uh, I was called, I felt, to go back to, to school, get my diploma, go to college. I went to Stetson, worked in... Uh, Revival, summer revival teams, youth revival teams, uh, led the choir in a number of churches, and uh, went on to college for six years, taught high school in North Carolina, uh, and uh, from there started, uh, got involved in uh, newspaper business, uh, in politics, and um to make a long story short, wound up in Tennessee running a construction company in the uh, in the 80s. Right. And it was there, it was there that uh, I quite accidentally got involved in uh, all of this business that I've been involved with since the 1980s. Well, that's what I want to talk about next: was how you got involved in the sovereignty and related movements that have been your focus since then. But I have to say that that's probably your your background is where you differ a little bit from your comparison to the Rockefellers. I, I would assume <laughs> I assume they probably have not had a very similar lifestyle yeah, to you've had yeah. uh, surveying in the swamps there's and things big, like that. There's a big big statistical difference between but, uh, Henry Lamb and the, the Silver Spoon. But, but what that does, but what that does is that generates character. And you've actually worked for a living. You've gotten dirt under your fingernails. You had to uh, take care of a family, probably with some times of struggle financially. Always. You've lived a classic American lifestyle, and so you can relate to the common man uh, in, in what you've done, and you know what's important to typical families out there. So how did you get involved? You, you, you left us uh, with your construction company in Tennessee. How did that lead you into getting into this uh, sovereignty and related movements? 
Well, from my from my background, the highest value on this earth was a little piece of ground that a person could call their own. And uh, I, the private property rights was the highest value uh, in this in this earthly uh, experience. I had a crew working uh, for for a neighbor on his farm, uh, installing a, a drain tile to to drain a low spot in his cornfield. Mm-hmm. And a white pickup truck pulled up into the field, and out pops a young uh, fellow from the Corps of Engineers and announced that my crew was polluting the waters of the United States. And uh, I got a little concerned about that and explained to him that the nearest waters of the United States was off the coast of North Carolina, uh, 800 miles to the east. <laughs> and uh, he wasn't too... Uh, Amused by that? Yeah, didn't didn't believe I wasn't, yeah. I, <laughs> I wasn't amused by him calling uh, my neighbor's private property, his farm, the waters of the United States. But I lost that battle. Uh, we had to shut down. Uh, we got a cease and desist order, and uh, that was the first time I'd ever heard of of, of wetlands. I had called them mud holes and swamps and things like that, and I set out to try to find out who wrote such a stupid law. And uh, that began my search. And uh, I'm still on it. Okay. So so what most people would do, I would think, the average person, if they ran into butting heads with the government and these things, they would try to quickly put this issue to bed, keep their head low, uh, try not to to bang bang it bang heads with the government again. Try to keep their nose clean. Uh, focus on making money, taking care of their family, and just sort of playing along. But I'm assuming you didn't do that. No, no. I went to every other con- uh, construction company in the state and uh, created an organization of uh, construction companies similar to ours, with the purpose of marching to Nashville and changing the law or getting the law changed. But in that process, I discovered that Nashville didn't have anything to do with it. Uh, I was shocked to learn that our national wetland policy arose from an international treaty signed in Ramsar, Iran in 1979. Whoa. And I don't think you probably didn't have much say on that treaty, I'm assuming. I had never heard of it. You didn't get a vote on that. Absolutely not. <laughs> but that uh, that deepened my <laughs> involvement, and uh, I suddenly got a phone call from uh, an organization in Chicago, a national association of contractors, similar to what I was trying to create here, that I didn't know existed, and they wanted me to come be their executive vice president. And I, I decided that I'd probably have more luck with an organization a national organization, and operating out of Chicago, and one that had a little bit of money. So mm-hmm, right. I uh, I uh, resigned my job as managing a construction company and went to Chicago to run that national trade association. Now, now let me. I assume they heard of you because of the initiative you took to go beyond just minding your own business well, and, I, and, I, and motivating others, and they that caught wind and attention of people. Well, actually. Uh, I had one of the things that I, I did here in, in Tennessee with our local organization was publish a newspaper for other uh, uh, 
contractors and the public to tell them what was going on with this stupid yeah. policy. Wow. And uh, the folks in uh, Chicago got a copy of that newspaper somehow and uh, and called me up. And <laughs> I said, okay, I'll be up there uh, right away. So I took off to Chicago in uh, 87. And uh, it was there I discovered that uh, even though we had a million and a half dollar a budget, which uh, to me was big, big, big money. We right. had a mm-hmm. staff of about uh, uh, seven people, and it was a, a terrific organization. And uh, I busied myself in Washington trying to find out where this stupid policy came from. We had a political action committee, and uh, one day I was in Washington in early 1988 handing out checks to uh, selected congressmen, and uh, I was visiting a particular congressman, handing him a check for $500, and on the way out, a guy from the Sierra Club was there, handing him a check for $5,000. And I said, this is stupid. I'll never do that again. Right. Because I can never outspend those guys. Right. Mm-hmm. So I fired our lobbyist, quit giving him uh, money, and uh, set out to find uh, another to be influential. And uh, that way was to create another organization, which we called the Environmental Conservation Organization. And that organization, the purpose of that organization, was to to guard uh, private property rights in the face of excessive environmental regulations. We saw the government coming out with uh, wetlands policies, with endangered species, critical habitat policies, with... Uh, just uh, an array of policies that infringe private property rights. And uh, that's our organization set out to protect private property rights and the environment, but by limiting excessive federal regulations. Okay. Mm. Okay. And that really defined, uh, I guess, the, the, the growth. You, you, you then began to grow in a whole number of organizations uh, eventually. And I'd like to right now focus on one called Sovereignty International uh, that you've had a long affiliation and association with. Can you explain the purpose and the scope of Sovereignty International, of which you are now the chairman, I believe, and I think even Dr. Michael Kaufman is uh, involved in that group as well. P- please tell yeah, us the, the full scope. Yeah, I'm, I'm chairman of the board. Michael is uh, the CEO, and we we both were uh, founders. <clears throat> the Sovereignty International came about while I was in uh, Geneva, Switzerland. I was there in 1996 attending a United Nations meeting on climate change because I had discovered that virtually all of our environmental policies came out of the United Nations. And my first United Nations uh, I was shocked to see that all of our efforts at home through the Environmental Conservation Organization were meaningless on the other side of the pond, and that what we needed was an, an organization that worked at the international level as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, I called a couple of people back home from Geneva in the middle of the night and discussed this idea of creating this organization to work at the United Nations. And when I got home, we created Sovereignty International. Uh, We gained accreditation uh, from the United Nations to be a participant in uh, 
the uh, international community of non-government organizations, much to their chagrin, eventually. But uh, nonetheless, uh, I started attending United Nations meetings in '96, and uh, attended dozens, much many, many more than I ever wanted to. Hmm. You know, I find this interesting to think about this, that when you were uh, surveying out in the uh, swampland and doing these other menial tasks, if you could have imagined that years later you would be at these United Nations meetings grappling with them, if you could only imagine where you came from, and, and I'm assuming you didn't have tremendous amount of money behind you, you didn't have all sorts of endowed doctorates or or naturally by by your birth or connections and family, uh, all of these powerful connections you had. It was just sheer brute force of caring about what was the right thing to do and not feeling limited by any stretch, by any limitations you had to go make things happen on an international level. Well, I saw what needed to be done, did what I could do uh, to get those things done, and... Uh, Beyond that, I left it up to a higher power. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, uh, uh, we, our organization and, and most of the organizations on our side of the fence never have any money. We're always broke. And we do <laughs> just what we can do. And uh, as I say, uh, I can go to sleep at night, every night, easily. Because I know that I have done the best that I can do with what I have, mm -hmm. and uh, th that's all that's required of me. And uh, what has happened uh, as a result of that, or what has happened, I won't say as a result of that, but what has happened on many occasions. Like Mike was talking, I think, the other night about the Biodiversity Treaty and how it got stopped. Mm -hmm. There's no way in the world that... The few people on our side of the fence who were involved in that could have gotten that done. With We had no resources. All we had was sheer determination. And uh, Mike, <laughs> poor Mike, had to, had to borrow money, I know, to get airplane tickets to go to Washington, D.C. to get down there to stop that blank treaty. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But right in the face of Al Gore, George Soros, Rockefellers, the whole crowd that expected that treaty to be flying through the Senate, they were stunned. But uh, So they were the Goliaths. Oh, yeah. And you and your ragtag group are the Davids <laughs> running around, you know, like a dirty dozen without a nickel to your name. But right. other than tenacity and, and motive facts. by facts and a, and a motivated by, but by not greed, but by a true care about your families and your fellow citizens, and a refusal to be intimidated by people with all the chips on their side of the table. Right. The the thing that we we had two things that they didn't have. First was the truth. The second was what makes truth. The power to do beyond what we were humanly able to do. Uh, mm -hmm. George Mitchell was Speaker of the House uh, at that 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 year that at that time. Mm -hmm. Uh, why he was moved to take that treaty off the agenda? Uh, it it came it came from a, a power beyond us. Uh, we put the facts mm -hmm. out to 35 Republicans. They agreed. George Mitchell saw the light 
and the treaty didn't pass, and it hadn't passed yet. Well, if, if, if it was up to me, when they issue new stamps in the post office, they should have Henry Lamb and Michael Kaufman and similar <laughs> people's stamps on there, and they ought to have holidays for people like yourself because yeah. you set the example of what people can do. And I want people to stop and think for a second. Now, I know you have tremendous talents. You probably have you know, not only analytical skills but uh, communication skills and, and vision and all these things, but... What you've, what you've shown is almost anybody in our listening audience, if they really embrace something that they care about, they can impact things on an international level. And, sure. they, and when they find other like-minded people and lock arms, even if it's just a small group, they can literally change the course of human history and events and, and counteract with, again, God's, God's power and strength and, and tremendous tenacity and refusal to give up. They can counteract overwhelming power, wealth, other kind of connections, even people who don't play fair. Uh, but it really requires devotion and complete commitment, and you can see those things through. Oh, sure. And, and it's, it's, uh, it's amazing, uh, looking back over the years, uh, to see the things that have, have, have occurred, things that have uh, been accomplished. Uh, it, it really is staggering, and, and you just have to stand back in awe and and realize that uh, mercy, mercy, there is power out there <laughs> that uh, is beyond explanation or understanding. And all that uh, you can do is uh, is respect it and appreciate it and praise it. That's it. Well, mm-hmm. you, you, you've shown what can be done with just a handful of people. W- would you encourage our listeners out there to look in their own hearts to see what God lays on their heart to do and to find some other people to... Uh, to, to lock arms with and connect and see if they could add to the small number of people like yourself who are doing these things? Well, sure. We, we always invite uh, people to help any way that they can, uh, knowing that you know, not everybody can, uh, can go to Washington and twist the arms of, of congressmen, nor should they. But everybody can do something, and everybody can do something better than anybody else. And that may be just convincing your neighbor uh, that this candidate is better than that candidate, or this issue is true and this issue is false. But we have, uh, first, the responsibility to know what we're talking about, to understand the truth. And we have the responsibility to act on that truth. And then we have... Uh, it's not a responsibility, it is a reward. Mm-hmm. When we have done uh, what we are responsible for doing. And uh, I, I am often uh, asked about uh, uh, what, uh, why, why I have done this instead of um, you know, staying with a construction company, mm-hmm. making good money. Yeah, you would have made a fortune if you'd have put that same energy into your construction work, correct? I'm, I'm sure. We, we had a very successful construction company. It was wonderful. Had a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and paid some good bucks. Uh, it, that is, is, is a totally different feeling from the feeling you get when you know that you have done what you are required to do, that you have done it the best that you can do, and you don't worry beyond mm-hmm. that. It, it is... It is a, it is a warm, uh, you know, when you uh, 
hold your wife and and you really appreciate her presence it it feels like you are being held that way mm-hmm. when you have done what you know you're supposed to have done mm-hmm. and done it well well you may not make a lot of money but you, but your spouse will respect you and even your children will respect you when you do this kind of leadership and i want to encourage all of our listeners uh, whether it's supporting the same issue that uh, Mr. Lamb's leading in or something that the Lord's laid on your heart, you see what the what the opportunity is. And I can tell you, if you have no other capabilities at all, no talents or ability whatsoever, you could always be a radio show host. <laughs> or even worse, a co-host. <laughs> if there's nothing else you could do. We're back here at Future Quake with Dr. Future. And Tom, I like Tar Heels Bionic. <laughs> is that because our guest, Mr. Lamb? yes. He is originally a, uh, a native. Yes. But now a Tennessean? Now a Tennessean. Um, you know, some people probably wonder why I quote kill time by asking people their background. But I find not only does it help us understand people, it goes a long way toward understanding the mm-hmm. perspective that they Indeed. share. But it's fascinating in its own right. Yeah. And that's part of the story of, of this cool show stuff. is yeah. where he's come from. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he, he, he did not come from privilege, great wealth, or any no. kind of access to power. No, no, he no. Just Got tired of getting messed over and wouldn't let go of it. He reminds me of that guy who stands up and says, I'm not going to take it anymore. I want you to stand mm-hmm. up. But he does more than just yell. No, he, he actually does something about organize. it. Yeah. He's like the worst nightmare of the, the status quo powers that be. Yeah, some guy who's informed who actually does something about it. And they can't just, like, crush him yeah. or wear him out. Yeah, speaking of crushing or wearing out, we should probably bring Mervin. We could bring Merv in. Yeah. You think we should? I think we so. We still have some time. Okay. Merv, would you come in and tell our listeners how they can contact us at FutureQuake? FutureQuake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we still got 10, 15 seconds, which is an eternity oh, for the, us. Well, I don't even know what to say with all that much time. Well, I, I, why don't well, you tell them to come back tomorrow to come, listen to Future Quake? Well, folks, why don't you come back tomorrow uh, to hear more about the Henry Lamb here on Future Quake? Okay. Till then, we hope your future is very bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I'm Dr. Future. And I am Tom, no friend to the Global Warming Initiative Bionic. Wow. Yeah. You know, people always know where you stand in the first few seconds I of the show. I just throw it right out there. It's much like my personality. It's like, bam! In your face, on the end of your nose. Right there. Yeah. Boom. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our show today at Future Quake. And being Tuesday, this is our second installment of our interview with our guest this week, Henry Lamb, the chairman of Sovereignty International, 
uh, talking about positive initiatives to promote freedom and responsible finance. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get into some very interesting discussions today. Uh, we established his background uh, in basically running into a property rights issue where some kind mm-hmm. of global regulations uh, started telling them what, what he couldn't get into his property. Yeah. And he didn't let it go, and now he's changing the world. Well, I thought it was fascinating that he... He let on that the uh, uh, the very initiative that he was fighting against was signed in 1973 in Ramsey, Iraq. In there, and it's hitting him here in Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, and they wish they wouldn't have enforced that because yeah. they unleashed a uh, giant on them. Uh, and you're going to hear more about Henry Lamb right now. So with no further ado, here is Henry Lamb of Sovereignty International. We'll be right back to wrap it up then on Future Quick. To, to, to bring up to the present time, can you tell us um, what Sovereignty International is doing today? What, what comprises that movement? Sovereignty International primarily uh, does research, and that is uh, essentially Michael and I uh, are, are the primary researchers and writers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we produce educational materials. Michael talked about the DVDs that he has recently uh, published on uh, on climate change. Fantastic piece. Yeah. Uh, I have just I have just completed uh, and published uh, a book and uh, a five part two disc DVD set on the rise of global governance. Uh, my research is on the growth of international influence over domestic policy over the last century. And uh, uh, this is information that uh, is is exceedingly well documented, but is just not generally available anywhere. Mm -hmm. And uh, we we put this information together uh, both in written form and in DVD form um, in hopes that people will uh, take the time to to learn what what we have had found and discovered over the last 20 years. Hmm. Uh, you mentioned your book, The Rise of Global Governance, uh, which is something that I found is very popular. A lot of people know about it. It's a, a very important uh, publication. Can you give us just a brief capsule of the scope of the book, what you yes. cover in it, and, and maybe also tell us about some other publications and productions you have at the Freedom Store as well. Okay. Uh, The Rise of Global Governance is a collection of research papers that I have done over the last uh, 10 or 15 years. And uh, the Rise of Global Governance uh, traces the growth and influence of the United Nations in particular. Uh, There is a chapter on Rise of the Global Green Religion. And it is absolutely astounding uh, how this uh, multicultural collectivist philosophy is influencing religion in the world today. Uh, we see the rise of, uh, of uh, the normality now of, of uh, gay marriage. And uh, uh, we see how God is uh, uh, criticized, the use of the word. God mm-hmm. is criticized. We see how our whole society is being uh, despiritualized. This is a part of an initiative undertaken by uh, many folks involved in the international community over many, many years 
replacing the true living God as the giver of life and the source of all goodness uh, with uh, Gaia or the idea that life originates with the earth. Mm-hmm. And uh, It's a form of goddess religion, correct? Like ancient goddess religion. Yes. Uh, the, the, the quest of the global green religion is to worship the creation instead of the creator. Mm-hmm. And uh, th- that is a fascinating study that uh, <clears throat> I-, I learned a lot and enjoyed doing. <clears throat> There's another chapter on directly the influence of the international community on private property rights in this country, and uh, and several other chapters. But uh, it is it, in, a, in a nutshell, it traces the growth of international influence over the United States and ultimately the world over the last century. And we are on the brink of global governance. And, and basically, oh. these globalists want to control every minute facet of our lives, do they not? And that's why they, they have such contempt for private property, because that's just one little aspect that potentially they couldn't control, where we could have self-determination on what we do with our little plot of ground, and they'll have none of that. They don't even want us to have our own God. What we worship between our own ears is still offense to them because they want to control uh, how we work, what we do, what the media that we have a contact with, even the soil that we stand on, and even the thoughts we have in, in our head. Does yes. it not? Absolutely. The idea is to manage society, to protect the environment, and provide equitable uh, access to the world's resources. And that can be done only through centralized planning and centralized management. Mm -hmm. And that is through the international community, specifically the United Nations structure. You know, that sort of sounds nice. If you think about it, it almost sounds sort of Christian. Well, aren't we supposed to share our resources and there's people who have less? Yeah, but it's devoid of free will. (laughs) There's people that have more and others have less, and it seems like that would be very very Christ-like to want to do those kind of things. But but no. the fact of the matter is there's a handful of elitists that believe they want to take the role, not not private individuals using their charity to help their neighbors, help people in their community, but the handful of elites, these non-governmental organizations and others that are unelected, they have nominated themselves as elitists to make those kind of decisions themselves rather than, not, than ourselves. Yeah, it's not sharing your resources when the government takes it away from you mm-hmm. to give to somebody else. And that's precisely what is happening now in the past that we have seen unfold here in just the last few months. But that is generally the philosophy of the people who are advocating global governance. It's I was just going to say the, it is the international community that is wanting to control uh, every nation and how it will – uh, utilize its resources and distribute those resources uh, in an equitable fashion to everybody else. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just ironic. You, you mentioned this about uh, uh, 
forcing taking these kind of things. We, we had last week a, uh, a representative, Susan Lynn, from the Tennessee legislature, who made the point very clear that something cannot be a right for someone if it forces you taking something away from another person and giving it to yeah, another. Nobody has rights the, if you're... Rights are innate. Rights, everybody, rights are free. Rights are what we're given by God. Uh, and, so, and so if you have to lift something from somebody else and hand it to somebody else, you're not t- taking a right from someone and giving it to someone else. It's not a right at all. It's just confiscation and redistribution. And it's encouraging. You know, we, we, we take this uh, this uh, woman who's uh, in a leadership position in, in the Tennessee legislature. She's having the same understanding of what you have and your spirit where you came from. And we're finding pockets of people who are who are getting it, who are grasping this. But you have to be willing to be tenacious and fight against the money, the power, the access that these other people have who have vested interests. And since they have financial motives, you know, I, I, I presume you have no financial motives or stake in what you're trying to accomplish in this. But these people do. They, they get kickbacks. They put money in their pocket. So they're highly motivated, and they have money to spend because they pass that money back. Part of that redistribution is back to the people who are bankrolling them. So, so, so they have they have the key of being able to disperse high levels of money, uh, and we have to be creative on our end to be able to counteract it. And I believe our Lord is a Lord of creativity. Uh, if we look at the prophet Daniel, uh, he gave the Daniel all sorts of ideas when he was in the court of Nebuchadnezzar, uh, whether it was uh, control over his diet. Uh, to preserve the lives of he and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or, or uh, different aspects of how he served Nebuchadnezzar in the court and preserved his own life. And I think we have the same calling, too. We're, we're supposed to, uh, to to rise above and be able to, to use the uh, capabilities that the God gives us in our minds to be able to be salt and light uh, in this world. Um, there are some other products that you have as well in the Freedom Store, some other DVDs and others. Can you mention yeah. just very briefly a couple of them and what they're about? Sure. Uh, one of the more important ones is the uh, uh, sustainable development connecting the dots. It's a three 20-minute lessons, if you will, on sustainable development, uh, how it impacts uh, private property rights, how it violates the Constitution, and how it bypasses uh, the elected officials and the creation of public policy. Um, there's also... Another very important DVD on the National Animal Identification System, uh, and this is about a, a program that the USDA is, is pushing that will literally force everybody who has a single livestock animal, a chicken in the backyard or a cow or a goat or whatever, to register their premises with the federal government, report to the federal government anytime time uh, one of those animals dies or is moved off the property. And it is uh, a program that will just essentially give the USDA absolutely control over every farm, ranch, and backyard gardener with a, with a few animals. Uh, that's all explained there. So I, I would not, under that, I would not be at liberty to go down to my local farmer in my community and buy meat from him or other kind of products. And, and if I know him well, understand how he raises his material and pleased with how he does it, that doesn't matter. The government gets in between us and says, no, 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 you can't do that, correct? Well, they're, they're, well this, this program is, is being developed right now. It, it's not law yet, but it is being developed and it is being imposed in some places, in Wisconsin and Michigan, that is being imposed as law at the state level. But it, the feds are giving those states 
big bucks to impose it, to make it mandatory at the state level, while in Washington they say this is a voluntary program. Wow. <laughs> this is, yeah, this is, a, this is a program for another night, and, and I would mm-hmm. heartily recommend that you set aside some time and really get into it because it, it's serious stuff. But uh, in the store there's another uh, DVD on the, uh, on the development of the North American Union, the Security and Prosperity Partnership, uh, the Trans-Texas Corridor. Uh, there's the Constitution, the little pocket constitutions. We sell those at near cost, I think, uh, at as low as 50 cents or 75 cents a piece, something like that, uh, just so people can get them. And uh, we invite people to go visit uh, our websites and our store, and, and, uh, and that's one way that you can support uh, our efforts. And that store, name the, the, the website again, please. Uh, we have several. Mm-hmm. Sovereignty.net. Mm-hmm. is the primary website for international issues. Mm-hmm. Freedom21.org mm-hmm. is uh, another of our websites. Which we're going to talk about, Freedom21, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, freedom.org is uh, one of our websites. Okay. And I've, between those three websites, you can learn everything you need to know about the stuff we're talking about tonight. And you can get to the Freedom Store. More importantly, and get these other periodicals, correct? Sure. sure. Oh, okay. Well, that's well. I I have to warn you though that uh, according to the Missouri Police Myac report, you're probably a terrorist. Yeah. I think you've <laughs> yeah. met all the requirements in their report of terrorism. You sound like a very yeah, deadly person. Yeah. You're selling the Constitution. You want people to be informed. Yeah. You're. Well, wh- I, what can, a ho- I can tell you, in, in the in the late 1990s, I traveled all over the state of Missouri. Uh, holding meetings in churches and in, in high school gymnasiums uh, at the uh, invitation of local property rights organizations explaining why the Southern Ozark Biosphere Reserve should not be adopted. And uh, we were able to defeat the nomination of the Ozark Biosphere Reserve, which would have been the 48th Biosphere Reserve in the United States. So the people in Missouri who are globalists really, really don't like me. And they probably reported your name yeah, in that I report. Think you, I think your picture was an addendum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it was. Yeah. Our, our, our big strategy is we're, we're pretty much harmless to yeah. everyone. So uh, I Look think unimportant. The enemy may be low on ammo. <laughs> that's right. That's right, like the old Army field manual. Um mm-hmm. Before we, we get in talking about the freedom movement, I just want to, to clarify here. There's another organization that you had affiliation with, I believe, that, that led into Sovereign International, and that is the Environmental Conservation Organization. Yeah, that, is was, it, the first, that was the first organization that uh, we created back in 1988. Okay. That's, that's what we created to go after the wetlands issue and environmental issues. And, uh, and actually... Uh, since we broadened our horizon to international affairs, it changed the name now of Environmental Conservation Organization to Freedom 21. Okay. Okay. Freedom 21 is an outgrowth of the Environmental Conservation Organization. Okay. I want to talk. I want to talk more about that. But you know, I get the sense here with all these groups you started and affiliated with and going that that all of these people on the other side, with all their money and access and power, have a hard time keeping up with you. Uh, rather, <laughs> rather than them being on the offensive, it almost feels like they're now on the defensive, trying to figure out what Henry Lamb is up to next, and trying well, to respond to it. 
one of the reasons we created Freedom 21 was, and, and this is a result of a meeting, I asked a, a number of the friends in the movement to come together in Washington back in 1999. And the big the at that time was, up until then, everything we had been doing through the environmental organization or environmental conservation organization and many of the other organizations was being against the initiatives of other people and we decided that the only way we're going to win this battle is to take the offensive and create an organization that is on the offensive advancing the principles of freedom and that's what freedom 21 is it is an organization that advances the principles of freedom in public policy at every level of government. And we look for opportunities to do that. And I'd like to give you a couple of examples whenever we get to that point. Okay. Well, you know, first of all, I see this term, the freedom movement, defi- uh-huh. uh, said. How would you define the scope of the freedom movement? The freedom movement is, is actually shaping uh, and growing it is, it is a dynamic entity. It is a feeling of the tea parties that are going on uh, all over the country this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a part of this freedom movement. The um, Tenth Amendment movement started that started in, in uh, Oklahoma, uh, where states are passing resolutions saying to the federal government, give us our Tenth Amendment rights. Stay out of our face. Uh, uh, this is a part of the freedom movement. Uh, the people who are are so uh, disgusted with the lack of response from their elected uh, officials who are creating local organizations like the Alliance for Citizens' Rights in Alabama and Take Back Kentucky and uh, all over the country, this is a part of a growing dynamic movement at the grassroots level. This is the freedom movement. Okay. It's, we we report on so many different facets of it on Future Quake, uh, all sorts of different directions it comes in, but I, I appreciate your definition because even if people hadn't seen it in writing, they're starting to feel it. They're, uh-huh. they're finding a commonality of people who get and understand the same principles of freedom and liberty, uh, and it's something that unites people. It doesn't divide people into left and right, Democrat and Republic. It unites people into an atmosphere of self-respect and mutual respect for each other, and you start finding out who our real enemies are. It's not somebody with a different political nomenclature. It's it's the powers that be that have tried to dominate the individual decisions in our life, whether it's what happens to our property or our personal decisions in life or our personal beliefs. Uh, and, and those people come from both political parties, too. And, and we're starting to find who, who, who our real adversaries are. Uh, in this matter, and it's shocking the uh, establishment, the establishment media, political parties, when they see what happened in the Ron Paul movement, when they see the Constitution Party, these other kind of things. Mm-hmm. It really has them puzzled, does it not, that, that the light bulbs have started going on in all these different people's heads? Mm. It, it, really has, it really has some of these folks really scared. Good. Uh, <laughs> you're right, because uh, all of the money that they pour into – uh, their initiatives it can't produce the same kind of physical, emotional uh, response that uh, is happening throughout the country at the grassroots level when these all, all these organizations and individuals responding to the call of freedom. Right. Uh, they, they can I, they can buy off people. They can yeah. buy off goons basically. 
to do their bidding, just like the like the old Romans could could uh, buy off gladiators to go in and kill the Christians, but the Christians walked in there voluntarily, and they prevailed. There was a lot of blood that was shed, but they prevailed without uh, you know swinging a fist in anger. Sure. Uh, and and the same thing can happen here. And and uh, I know our personal opinion has been that Christians of anybody should be uh, aware and inspired enough and understand uh, from from what we think is a true worldview to be able to appreciate these virtues and to provide leadership uh, in this virtuous activity for the benefit of society. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, back to Freedom Twenty One. We've alluded to it a little bit. My understanding is your name change. Uh, was was a little bit of a uh, uh, response or a, um, a little I don't want to say tongue in cheek, but it, it basically was a derivative of the name that the that the people on the other side gave their own global initiative, was it not? Uh, yes, it was. In 1992, the United Nations presented and and adopted Agenda 21, uh, which is a document that really outlines the regulations uh, to be adopted by every nation to control its people. So uh, Freedom 21 uh, was a way to uh, uh, snub our nose at uh, their uh, language and uh, offer an alternative to Agenda 21, Hmm. an alternative which we think is far, far better. And I absolutely love that. Uh, in, 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 in another minute or two, can you tell us anything else about the scope of Freedom 21? We're going to yes. talk about the credit union uh, after that, but are there other aspects of it that, that our listeners need to know about? The, the concept is very simple. Uh, on the website, you will find the freedom principles. Uh, six principles taken directly from the Constitution is the foundation, of the one uh, commonality of all the people that are involved in Freedom 21. And we advance uh, the principles of freedom. For example, right now there is a bill in Congress called the Enumerated Powers Act, H.R. 450. We are pushing that bill, advancing that bill. We hope that it will become a criterion by which uh, voters will decide whether or not to vote for a candidate in the next election. If an elected representative will endorse and co-sponsor this bill, which simply requires that every law that is proposed uh, specify the constitutional authority for that law. A congressman that will co-sponsor and vote for that bill is worthy of re-election. A congressman who will not co-sponsor that bill or explain why in writing is not worthy of re-election. And that should be a criteria for everybody to measure their candidates. So those people need to get out and let their globalist brothers fund their salary rather than for the taxpayer, correct? <laughs> yes. <laughs> if they can't support the Constitution, they have no business being in Washington. Uh, that's just such a radical thought. I'm sure. Uh, why, why does that surprise any of us? We're talking about issues that should be self-evident to every American, and it's a shame that it's just now becoming self-evident. But uh, hopefully well, once, it, once people it, grasp it, hopefully they won't let go of it. I hate to tell you this, but John, my elected representative, not only refuses to co-sponsor, but refuses to give me a reason why he will not. He simply runs out his staff saying, uh, I don't think that he's going to do it, but he will not answer to me. <laughs> what, what's his name again? John K. 
Tanner. John Tanner. Well, all mm. of you people in John Tanner's district, I'm sure he'd love to hear from our Futurians out there uh, listening in Tennessee. I'm sure he would just really love us and embrace us. Yeah. Yep. Tell him what you think about his leadership. We're back here at Future Quake with Dr. Future. And Tom, no friend to the Global Initiatives Bionic. Do you ever say you're the friend of something? Tom Bionic, friend of Dr. Future. Oh, make me blush. Tom... Friend to the listeners. Okay, we Bionic. got it. Okay. Tom, friend to Jesus. Bionic. Mm-hmm. All right. And Jesus was a friend of sinners. Boy, if he's mm-hmm. my friend, he's the chief of sinners. Well, I know that Henry Lamb was no friend of people supporting global governance because he talked about that in this mm-hmm. segment about... Um, uh, in fact, his book, I would highly recommend it. I need to get it. The Rise of Global Governance looks fascinating. Yeah. If he's involved with it, I'm sure it's going to be good. I'll bet. And I recommend all of you all to get it. Uh, we're going to talk further tomorrow about uh, some really interesting things he gets involved mm-hmm. with, uh, about some actions he's taken that I think you'll be excited about. But mm-hmm. until then, we need to bring Merv in. Merv, tell them how they can get a hold of us on FutureQuake. FutureQuake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or Internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we got to go. Hit it, man. Let's just Okay, get... come back for the next segment of the interview with Henry Lamb tomorrow. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a great day. Sayonara. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom. I like sugar in my coffee, Bionic. Are you a friend of sugar in your coffee? Yeah. All right. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's great for you to be back with us. We've been uh, uh, going over an interview this week with our guest, Henry Lamb, the chairman of Sovereignty International, Mm -hmm. talking about positive initiatives to promote freedom and responsible finance. Mm -hmm. And... uh, but it's been good so far, but yeah. he's gonna, we're going to talk about some novel things that he's yeah. done that I think might be of interest to our listeners. We got into a little bit yesterday. We got into uh, Bill H.R. 450, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked to just a little bit about the that. The Environmental Powers Act, I believe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd really like to see uh, that sort of floated here in, you know, our listeners get a hold of their state rep- representatives and senators and stuff and just, you know. Check it out. Well, hopefully uh, they'll all be shamed after they listen to Henry Lamb and the rest of this discussion. Mm-hmm. When they see a, a gentleman over his lifestyle and length of time that he has been aggressive in trying to protect fellow citizens. Mm-hmm. I mean, can't we just get up off our seat for just a little bit and try a little bit ourselves? Yeah, there you go. I mean, I, I don't mean to shame people regularly on our show, but hopefully it's a shot in the arm to motivate people to get up and make yeah, Just is... pick something. Just pick something you want to yeah. make a difference in. There's something that you don't like, man. Get mad about it and then go try and fix it. That's right. And find some other friends that you enjoy being with. Mm-hmm. Do it together. 
Uh, well, with no further ado, let's bring in uh, Mr. Henry Lamb, Chairman of Sovereignty International, and then we'll be right back to wrap it up here on Future Quick. Hey, I want to move on to um, uh, something that I, I will – one thing that I, I felt very interested about that I want to know more about personally, and that is the Freedom 21 National Conference. Uh, and I just glanced at the, uh, the, the, the next agenda for the next one coming up, and the, and the guests just seem fantastic, the speakers. Can you tell us about what that's all about, what its scope and purpose is, and when it's supposed to occur next, a little bit about the next meeting? Yep, it will occur uh, August 13 through 15 in Oklahoma City, and at the freedom21.org website, there's all kinds of information. But it is a two and a half days, Thursday noon till uh, Saturday evening, where we have the the best speakers in the country on a variety of issues assembled. And this is our tenth annual national conference. <laughs> and the the people who come to this generally are the leaders of these grassroots organizations from all over the country. And we not only get uh, caught up on our instructions and on our education from a variety of different uh, uh, issue areas, we get inspired by meeting anew uh, our friends from years gone by and the new people who join the movement every year. It is the event of the year for the freedom movement. Hmm. Now, how many people typically attend one of these uh, conferences? Uh, it ranges from two to four hundred. Wow, that's a large group. Hmm. And what dates again is the uh, August thirteenth through the fifteenth? August thirteenth through fifteenth. Okay, uh-huh. in Oklahoma City. Yes. And, sir. Now, Dr. Michael Kaufman, he he's scheduled to speak there, correct? Yes, he will be a speaker. Okay, and yourself, you'll be. Uh, uh, I, I don't. I, I I have not made a commitment yet for for health reasons, mm-hmm. but. Uh, I was there last year, and I have missed one. I had to be in the hospital one year. Okay. Mm. But you'll be at least a power broker behind the scenes, correct? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, But uh, one thing people will find if they they take away a few days to relax and go hear some inspirational words is that they will actually meet heroic people, people who have sacrificed their lives for the sake of their fellow citizens that have inspiring ideas and will actually – as opposed to the politicians who try to inspire us with the same old tired bromides, say nothing new, they'll actually hear real people talk about real ideas. Yes, we we do have uh, carefully selected politicians from some from time to time. We've had Ron Paul, and uh, uh, we've had a, a number of politicians. We have we like state uh, legislators. Uh, we'll have several on the agenda this year. Uh, but uh, primarily, we have uh, uh, real grassroots folks, the, the leaders of grassroots organizations, and we have the, the workers. I mentioned the Alliance for Citizens' Rights in Alabama. Uh, Don Casey and, uh, and uh, uh, his crowd down there have done fantastic work mm-hmm. uh, educating people about sustainable development and comprehensive planning and private property rights protections. And 
uh, you know, that's the kind of people that we that we will have there, not only as as uh, as guests, but uh, as speakers as well. Well, I would highly recommend you consider talking to Representative Susan Lynn uh, here from the Nashville area sometime. Took the words out of my mouth. Not only did she sponsor the current legislation in Tennessee, uh, reasserting the Tenth Amendment of the Constitution and the limited sovereignty uh-huh. of the federal government, yep. but she also is sponsoring a bill uh, that eliminates the ability for. Uh, uh, state officials to confiscate the weapons, lawful weapons of people mm-hmm. during emergencies, uh, all like Katrina-type events. She is my friend. <laughs> I, I, will, I will be eager to meet her. Well, you, uh, Frank, Frank Nicely is another good guy in our legislature here in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had our conference here in Tennessee uh, uh, two times back in, uh, I think, 03 and 04. We had the uh, Marriott out by the airport. Uh, so, uh, you know, we, we have a good crowd of folks here. Eagle Forum is one of our co-sponsors, and uh, uh, they always are uh, good supporters of our of our national conference. Is this Phyllis Schlafly's uh, group? Yes. Okay. Uh, Phyllis spoke at our conference last year, as a matter of fact. She's, we, we held it in St. Louis a couple of times, and she spoke in St. Louis uh, as well. But uh, these are the kind of people that, that will be at, at, our, at our conference. So you can meet just some fantastic, wonderful Christian people who are making a difference in the world. You know, I get the sense you're sort of like a Karl Rove kind of guy. Who, your handprints are on all these things. <laughs> I mean that in the best possible sense. Your hands are there making things happen, sometimes working behind the scenes. But anytime something good or big's going on, somehow your name pops up in the middle of it. I, I, I try uh to not be at the at the head of the parade. Uh there's there's a lot of people that do a much better job at that than than I do. But over the years I have been able to meet an awful lot of people and uh I have been in a position to to uh get acquainted with folks who are in positions of influence who can get things done. And uh I, I find that I'm much more effective uh you know, staying somewhere watching the parade, but making sure that it goes down the right street. <laughs> well, you know what they say, uh, it, there's no no end to what you can do if you don't care who gets the credit. And, <laughs> and you've obviously wa- you've, you've functioned on that principle. Now, the thing that really caught my attention and got my wheels turning that led to me contacting you was this thing that I found about called the Freedom 21 Credit Union. Okay, and I started connecting the dots, and I wasn't sure whether I saw things, you know, the way they were. Uh, but I sense that I'm probably on the right mark here, uh, as far as as an ex- a real example of some positive, creative thinking that a brother in the Lord has done and a group of men uh, to to do. But I won't I won't talk about that. I want you to explain it. Can you tell us what the Freedom Twenty One Credit Union is all about? Why was it started? What's it designed to do? And and particularly, what kind of financial investment philosophies does the board espouse? Um, I, I will tell you. I was driving to Florida to help coordinate the Sawgrass Rebellion back uh, uh, in, uh, I guess, 02, 03, somewhere along in there. And I had $25 in my pocket and hoping that I could get to Fort Myers before I ran out of gas where a guy was supposed to pay my expenses for getting down there. Mm -hmm. And I thought about how poor we all are. 
And I thought, who in this world has money? And I looked around in my mind, and I said, it's the bankers that have money and the financial institutions. And I said, why can't we have a financial institution for the people in the freedom movement so that we can earn our own uh, interest, we can uh, lend our own money to each other when we need to buy a car or whenever we need to borrow for whatever we borrow, Mm -hmm. and the interest that is earned stays with us (laughs) rather than goes to the shareholders of the First National Bank. You mean we wouldn't have an opportunity to take part of our ATM fees and part of our little piece they cut off and give it to Bernie Madoff? Or the guys at AIG, because right. you know they really need our help. You know yeah. they're just barely getting sure. by. Uh, so I, I asked uh, my banker what he thought, and I asked two or three other people if they thought it was any way possible that we could create a credit union for for us. And um, my board one day said, Henry, why don't you find out if we can do it? And uh, I found out. I studied and saw that. Uh, I didn't see any reason why we couldn't do it. Uh, so my board authorized me to set out to create a credit union. And it took nearly three years to get it done. But uh, in uh, September, uh, November of 2006, November the 6th, in fact, we opened our doors. And on November 7th, I went in the hospital for seven weeks. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but nonetheless... Uh, we got the credit union open. It is for the members of Freedom 21. Uh, one of the laws governing credit unions is that uh, you have to be a member of the sponsoring organization to participate in the credit union. So we have created this credit union for the members of Freedom 21. Hmm. Uh, it, there is no other credit union in the world like Freedom 21 Federal Credit Union. Uh, we are a federal credit uh, federal credit union governed by uh, the same uh, federal laws that every other credit union is governed by. Uh, we our deposits are insured for $250,000, just like everybody else's. But in a credit union, the members own the credit union. Every penny of profit must be returned to the members. There is no board of directors that get salaries. Everything is volunteer of two people who uh, haven't been paid uh, in I don't know how long. We are building this thing voluntarily uh, for uh, our members because it is our members who need a place to put their money that is reliable, uh, that's going to be helping others of like mind, uh, a place where uh, if they need a loan, uh, they've got a a leg up on getting a loan. It's uh, not like uh, going into uh, a loan officer in some bank that's owned by a bunch of rich people three cities away. And uh, uh, every penny that is earned gets returned in the form of dividends to the members. Okay. Now, there's another, yeah, there's another dimension here to this. Um, this credit union, I say, is unique because we have what I call 
accounts. And these endowment accounts are uh, say, for, say that again, please. I want to make sure we heard that correctly. We have uh, endowment accounts. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, these endowment accounts can be opened by the organizations that are members of Freedom 21. And we have a number of organizations that are members of Freedom 21 who have endowment accounts. Now, for example, I'll use uh, Don Casey's uh, organization. I've mentioned him two or three times. His organization is a member of Freedom 21. His organization has an endowment account. His organization has about 800 members. Because his organization is a member of Freedom 21, the members of his organization in Alabama are eligible to become members of the credit union. And when mm. they joined, when they joined the credit union, uh, a third of their membership fee goes into uh, for citizens' rights endowment account, and that endowment account pays interest at the highest rate of any time certificate deposit uh, that we have uh, in the organization. It is, pays the highest rates of any type of account that that we have. Now, that endowment account, does that pay interest to the individual, their money, or to their organization? To the organization. To the, the organization. Endowment, yeah, okay. the endowment account is for the organization only. But anybody can contribute to that endowment account. But any time a member of Don's organization joins the credit union, a third of their membership fee goes into Don's organization's endowment account. Okay. And the same thing is true wow. for any other endowment account. Well, it sounds like to me you're going to end up starving all these poor Wall Street bankers. No. That, that just breaks my heart. Uh, that you're I, going to... I, I, I don't care about the Wall Street bankers. I just want our people to have a safe place to put their money where it can earn a little bit of money. Mm-hmm. They need to, to, to borrow, a, uh, you know, buy a car or something. Actually, the organizations uh, I had in mind... I, I know a, a friend of mine who runs an organization right outside of Washington, D.C. He called me a few years back and said, Henry, can I borrow $8,000? I need to do this this project that he was on. I didn't have $8,000. I couldn't get $8,000 for him. But, and he was not able to do this project. It was very, very important at that time. And it just grieved me to see, and, and I know that happens time and time and time and time again, with our, our little organizations that don't have money. But mm-hmm. if these organizations that are members of the credit union, uh, if he had called up today and said, Henry, I, I need $8,000, <laughs> I'd say I'd call up the, the loan officer or the manager and say, you know, Tom needs uh, $8,000, uh, fix him up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know. but but now it's a real loan. In other words, he'll pay that back with interest, Oh, yeah. Uh, paper that the that the federal government requires, but uh, at least you know if uh, one of the things that that people uh, <laughs> have trouble doing is coming to our conference, for example. Uh, you know, but the time you buy an airplane ticket from California to Oklahoma City or from Maine to Oklahoma City and go sit in a hotel for for three or four days and pay what you have to pay, you spend a thousand dollars, twelve hundred dollars. You can't go to a bank and borrow $1,200 to go to a conference. But if you're a member of the Freedom 21 and uh, the credit union, 
you can call up and say, I want to borrow $1,200 to go to the conference, and you got it. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, wow. Now, regular bankers are not going to care about this kind of stuff. Uh, they're going to see that as as something unrelated, and well, even even if you can show you're good for the money, and then you've had a good credit rating of paying things, they don't appreciate a value inherent in that because it's not a money making venture to them. Therefore, they don't value it. But now, right. it sounds like to me the the philosophy and the values of your board come into play in, in how they manage this money. Can you can you explain a little further about? Uh, now, for example, a lot of financial institutions have gotten into trouble because they made a lot of really, really high-risk decisions with these mortgages and derivatives and mortgage-backed yeah. securities, stuff where they they yeah. shot the moon on returns, and they were reckless. And now yeah. the, even their depositors, everyone else, the whole country is hurting for it. How, what, what's different about the, the, the values and the methodology your people use? Well, I have to say – being a new credit union, we are very highly regulated in the types and amounts of money that we can lend. For example, we can lend no more than 5% of our total assets to any single individual. Mm-hmm. Uh, we cannot uh, 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 finance real estate uh, at, at this point in our life, in this point of our development. Uh, so you know, we are regulated. But uh, our board, uh, we meet... Uh, by teleconference every month. In fact, we have a board meeting this coming Friday. We have a supervisory committee. Our board is uh, scattered from Maine to New Mexico to Florida, uh, and uh, our supervisory committee is scattered as well. But we meet once a month. We review all the financial statements. We review all of the loan reviews. And uh, you know, this uh, we have just entered our third year now, and we have not lost one penny in a loan. And our loan portfolio wow. is about our loan portfolio is about fifty percent of our total uh, deposits. And uh, I know I'm knocking on wood. I'm sure we will have to write off something some some of these days. But uh, you know, we find that the people that are members of Freedom Twenty One, many of them have been members for years and years and years. And and you know, they're like neighbors or church members. Mm-hmm. Uh, the members of other organizations, Norman's uh, group in Kentucky. Uh, take back Kentucky. Uh, you know those people have been fighting that for, and uh, and if a member of another organization gets in trouble, uh, somebody that knows those people and knows uh, what happens. We had one lady that got five months behind, and uh, another member uh, paid a couple of payments to uh, to help her along uh, until she got to the position where she could catch up again. But you know, we are a family. This is a real we, community, in other words, and this and, this actually is where banking can be a virtue. We're actually is yes. performing a positive virtue to society. It, it is, and it's real. It's not just a Facebook thing where you got something uh, names without real people. You know, you, you don't manufacture stuff. Uh, it's real people and real lives and people who work every day at something, and then beyond making a living. They go out and try to advance the principles of freedom, going to uh, city council meetings and county uh, commission meetings and going to meet their legislators home. Uh, you know, people who care about this country, people who are doing whatever it is they can do. And this 
credit union is created expressly for those people to help them in every, every way we possibly can. Well, it's, it sounds like to me it's much like the book of Acts where it says people shared their things <laughs> together when whoever had need shared, but it wasn't at the end of a gun like communism. No, it, was it wasn't coercion. Yeah. It was people who love and care about each other that are trying to promote virtuous uh, lifestyle, responsibility with money, proper values and how you spend your money. Uh, there becomes almost a, a form of guidance or guardianship when you are providing this leadership over people with their financial uh, stewardship of their money. And uh, I assume that creates an atmosphere where people are basically accountable to each other uh, for yes, their for their exactly financial right. stewardship. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we have our annual meeting, our credit union meeting, every year at the annual Freedom 21 National uh, Conference. So mm-hmm. the conference get to see the board of directors, get to see the financial statements. Uh, you know, it is truly a, a community of real live people who are celebrating freedom and working their tails off to advance those principles. Well, and this is just an idea of, of a person, and I won't mention the person because we'll get embarrassed, but a person who was inspired, thought out of the box. I assume they were inspired by God. But they thought out of the box and came up with a creative solution rather than sitting on their hands and moaning and getting frustrated that we have nothing on our side. We don't have the power, influence, or money, and we just all sit around here on the radio or around the coffee pot and complain that all these wealthy bankers have the resources and we just can't do anything about it. And rather, here's an organization that came about that is actually creating a successful counter model that I think could do anything but grow. And to me, I just praise the Lord for that. And I just tell you, it's an inspirational example. I hope the other listeners feel the same way about it. We're back here at Future Quake with Dr. Future. And Tom, I am a friend of Freedom 21 Bionic. Oh, wow. I wonder if they'll use that for a promo spot. Uh, not if they want to actually sell anything or do anything. <laughs> oh. Hey, man, you got a degree in economics. I, I, I imagine that's a prestigious <laughs> endorsement that they got. Uh, next question. Well, I tell you, I certainly am excited by what they're doing, and it's just so nice to have a show where we're not all just belly aching about how bad things are, and you know, what are you going to do about it? You know, as Answer. wonderful as some guests are, yeah. you ask them about what to do, and they really don't know what to do. Yeah. Henry Lamb just rolled up his sleeves and said, "Let's come up with some good ideas." Yeah, in fact, Henry Lamb is kind of the exact opposite. He's like, "I'm just going to go do it." Yeah. I'm going to go take these suckers on and mm-hmm. get them. And I've got, uh, I've got some ideas, you know, yeah. and beat these guys at their own game. Take them down, knock some heads. And I can tell you, those are the kind of people you want to be around. Mm-hmm. Uh, I recommend all you all out there um, hang close to Mr. Lamb. And I would also suggest that you uh, Open an check into his, yeah. his credit union account yeah. and uh, support people like this. Mm-hmm. People like Henry Lamb are the best shot we got to battle the New World, New World Order and to still have a good Christian influence on the society that we have. Yeah, there you go. Uh, we have a lot of people who are so oblivious to what's going on in the world that the, the, the man will just have to come in and pick them up out of their chairs and set them in the, uh, the vans off to the camps. Yeah, it's like, oh, they won't even know till that point at, what's going on. A big black HHR just pulled up in front of my house, and uh, some guys are piling out. doesn't look like Dr. Future and Tom Bionic. Maybe it's FEMA. Are you referring to my new ride I right am. there? A little bit. 
Okay. It is very right. hip. I'll, I'm teasing you, but it is very well, hip. Well, right. totally unrelated to our show today, but uh, Dr. Future's got some new uh He's got some duds. new wheels, yo. You'll hear more about it later. New wheels. That's be a good thing for a Friday discussion yeah. sometime. All right. But with no further ado, we need to bring Merv in. Merv, would you please come in and tell our listeners how they can contact us at Future Quake? Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, time to wrap her up. Wrapping it up. One more segment to go. I think you'll find it very inspirational with Henry Lamb. Until then, we hope your future is very bright. Have a good day. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. Welcome to the Thursday edition of the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom, no middle name for this segment, Bionic. That's because we don't have much time. we got to get as it. As Jack Bauer says. Yep. And uh, we've got our last installment with Henry Lamb, chairman of Sovereignty International, talking about positive initiatives to promote freedom and responsible finance. And well, let's I know, just jump right into it. I know. We need yeah, to go to him. Go. And then we'll be right back to wrap it up here on Future Quake. <laughs> well, let, let me let me uh, let me ask you uh, just to uh, be devil's advocate here on a few things. Uh, some of our okay. listeners, people have seen you've seen what's happened with the Ponzi schemes and Madoff, and sure. every once sure. in a while you'll hear some of these ventures get off the ground. Out, you know, of course, everyone in the, you know Missouri police and other places think we're all crazy that believe these things, uh-huh. and we're all militia people living on a compound somewhere. Um, so you know, people have seen where things like this have happened, and then then it went bust, and somebody ran off with the money. Or, you know, something doesn't sound right because for some reason they think that the, that these bankers in Wall Street are somehow more virtuous and more responsible and reliable than average citizens, which I'm hoping that start, that bubble starting to be popped. But just, just, just going along with the fact that people might be concerned about the security of their money in some kind of new organization like this, if I understand you correctly, the government, by endorsing and giving this NCUA, or excuse me, the NCUA group, uh, by endorsing this, you have the full backing of this institution behind you that will stand behind money, no matter what happens to you all. No matter what you do, their their accounts are safe and their money. Absolutely. Uh, we are chartered by the federal government, the National Credit Union Administration. Every account is assured, insured up to $250,000. 250000 okay. Yeah. We are audited. Uh, we are inspected. We have an examiner in the bank at least twice a year in the credit union at least twice a year going through every scrap of paper and every file and every financial statement. Uh, we, are, uh, we are regulated uh, to a fair UL, and uh, uh, nobody has ever lost a dime in a credit union. Mm-hmm. And, and so, so in other words, if you all get off the beaten path, the and heaven forbid that would happen, the NCUA would shut you down 
and would secure that money for, for you know, they might put in there some uh, receivership themselves or have somebody else manage it. But the people well, who invest their money, their money is safe. What happened if we ever got into trouble for, you know, whatever reason, the NCUA would take over the credit union and merge us with in into another credit union mm-hmm. uh, and and not a penny would be lost by anyone mm-hmm. not a not a a loan would be changed not a payment date would change mm-hmm. uh, the members would not be affected one way or the other uh, they're absolutely uh, guaranteed far better than uh, than a private bank mhm right mm-hmm. And, and the fact they are also a member themselves, so they have extra privileges they don't have in a bank. Absolutely. Uh, every member has the right to examine our books anytime they wish. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. And, and uh, you, you, you can't do that uh, uh, you know, in a bank. But uh, uh, we, as a matter of fact, you can go on uh, the CUA and uh, see – uh, we report monthly to NCUA, and you can look at our financial statements from the first day forward. Mm-hmm. They're all available. And, and, and you pay moderate uh, returns on passbook savings and yep. and uh, uh, CDs, things like this as well, correct? Yes. We have the share savings account, which pays about the same at the moment, the same as, as other financial institutions. Our CDs, our time deposits, pay a little more mm-hmm. than many, uh, but we're we're certainly competitive. Our loan rates are are usually a little lower uh, than uh, commercial banks because we don't have to pay any taxes, and mm-hmm. commercial banks do. Ah. So 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 we can be a little lower in our loan rates and pay a little more in our dividends. So even uh, with all of your high salaries there, with the staff yeah. at the credit union, <laughs> all the big school. marble floors and the yeah. chandeliers. Uh, 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 let me tell you this. Uh, Dr. Future and Tom, um, we the first years in red ink, uh-huh. and our our organization picked up the slack uh, for the first two years. Mm-hmm. We have invested about eighty thousand wow. uh, dollars over the first two years. That uh, in two thousand nine, in January, we turned the corner and had the first month uh, in the blank. Yay. Praise the Lord. Well, hey, that put, that puts you ahead of about every other bank in yeah, the United States. I mean, that, yeah. <laughs> Maybe the only one in the world right now. Actually, it, it was three quarters ahead of our projection back uh, when we first started. I had wow. I had uh, projected that we would turn to profitability. I think it was in the third quarter uh, or the second yeah, at the end of the the second quarter in the third year. But we got there in the first month. Of the third year, so uh, and of course now I think we we made something like four hundred eighty six dollars. <laughs> there you go. At least it was it was black ink, mm-hmm. and that's profit for our members. Well, you know, compared to uh, the other banks out there in the hole they're in, it reminds me of Donald Trump uh, when he was having all his financial problems, and he walked by and saw a bum in the gutter. And he pointed to Marla uh, Maples and said, "See that man? He's worth four hundred eighty million dollars more than I am." <laughs> and so, compared to the other uh, banks out there, I I, w- I was going to suggest you might acquire a Citigroup or Bank of America since you've got a better legislature. But I don't think I'd want to stick you with the toxic assets, uh, including the, including their management uh, to 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 get. Um, 
Now, how many members do you currently have, and how many do you need to get to to expand the range of services that you can provide? I just saw this at the end of last month. I just saw the monthly report. We have 122 members as of today. We need to get to about 250 members. We need to just about double mm -hmm. the size mm -hmm. to get to the point where we can issue credit cards, where we can issue, have checking accounts, and all of the rest of the, the financial services that any other commercial institution has. The NCUA will not allow to issue, uh, have checking accounts and issue credit cards until we get to that point in our membership. Okay. So it is ex it's exceedingly important that we continue to build that membership uh, to get to that point so we can provide full services to all of our members. Wow. And, and that's a very reachable goal. I tell you, yeah. with the listenership, that, the tens of thousands of regular listeners that we have here at Future Quake, if just a small portion of you are willing to even take a small bit of money, even mm -hmm. just to get your feet wet, a small bit to open that up, well, that will get us across that bar. And that, that would get us to where we need to go, and people would sit up and take notice. And you'd have fellow brothers, sisters in the Lord who are doing the Lord's work, who are sacrificing much, that you would enable amazing things to happen with something as simple as putting your money in a safe, guaranteed place where you can make a guaranteed rate of interest and also at the same time accomplish something wonderful. That doesn't seem like to me a hard decision to make. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you something that's amusing. I know we're running out of time. Uh, we of our board meetings with a prayer. And when we have uh, an examiner come here to examine, uh, they always want to attend our next board meeting and report their findings. We had a brand-new examiner here at, uh, at our last uh, uh, board meeting, and it was a young lady who apparently had never heard of, of real people that believed in God. And she was, uh, she was stunned <laughs> when we opened our board meeting with prayer. An 86-year-old board member from, uh, from Utah uh, led the prayer that morning, and uh, she hadn't been talking about that yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, keep shocking them. That's all i got to say. <laughs> hey, I, I want to ask you, um, getting here in the last phase of our interview here, to look at things from a purely spiritual level. And in over recent months on our show, we have explored the mandate given to Christians in the Bible to get out of Babylon. Uh, it's expressly said when we get there toward the end there in Revelation, it says, get out of her, my people. And, and we have pondered on this show what was actually intended by this instruction, particularly when we see the financial system chaos all around us today, uh, which, is, as we've suggested, is dominated by greedy, uh, evil men on Wall Street and all around the world. And, you know, we just had G. Edward Griffin on a few weeks ago from the creature mm -hmm. from Jekyll Island. So we, we covered that pretty well, and we continue to do so. And, and, and these same gentlemen who use the profit from their banks that we all currently invest in to finance their evil deeds. Uh, which which makes you think, are we somehow complicit in some of their evil deeds when we're providing them the money that they bankroll to do it? Uh, do you have any thoughts on how we can distance ourselves from supporting these powerful and diabolical financial titans? And, and could any of your initiatives help us in this goal of getting out of Babylon? Well, I think it has a lot to do with how you interpret uh, Babylon and, and – uh, of what your own personal goals are, um, many of us are uh, locked into a routine, a living. But I suspect that almost all of us can modify 
that existence in some way to get out of Babylon, even if it is only in a spiritual sense and not so much in a physical way. But I think it is increasingly important that we focus our mind, our hearts, our attention on what is truly our purpose on this earth. And our purpose on this earth is not to get rich. It is not to amass wealth. Our purpose is to help our fellow man to demonstrate the glory of God in our lives any way that we possibly can. And I think that is getting out of Babylon because the Babylon that is around us cares not for God. Mm -hmm. We must focus on right doing, on loving our fellow men, doing the best that we can to do whatever it is that God has pointed us toward. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, it's very very well said. You know, we, we, we've talked about this on the show numerous times, and I have asked several guests when we talk about these topics about why can't Christian men and women get together? We have all these resources the Lord has blessed us with in this country, so much wealth at our disposal, uh, and be able to pull together and to, to express our godly principles in how we show our stewardship, uh, be able to... Uh, loan money, oversee money, provide financial guidance, guardianship, mentorship, and do this in a way where we don't have to tip our hats to the to the ungodly, using unscrupulous methods to do things. And I've run this idea by many people, and they sort of shrug their shoulders and think, hmm, that's interesting, but it's just a bridge too far. And when I heard what you're doing, uh, not trying to read too much into it, it made me feel like you have offered a uh, escape ladder or a trap door to help us at least in some small way to get out of Babylon. I, I know, first of all, we have to get out of it between our ears. And the, the major battles we have in life are between our ears. Uh, but then we have to take the next step, which is to take action. And I think what you're doing is you're taking action. And this may be just one small step in that direction, but it's a tangible one. It's something that you can touch and feel. We can all at least make one step to say we took one step not to support these evil people that we know are wrong. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a process here to do it, and it's one that's that's basically risk free uh, to be able to do it if we just care, if we take a few minutes to do it. And I'm not saying that just to necessarily promote what you're doing, but the broad concept of us going from what we know in our heads and people who listen to our show know what's right and wrong, but to take action. And and related to that, I want to ask you: Do you think, in your personal opinion? And this is just your personal opinion, that people of faith have an obligation and even a biblical mandate to get involved in defending and expanding personal freedom. We have a lot of shows on that on here about freedom. There are some Christians who think it's a distraction. Uh, we've had feedback, well, you need to stick with Bible prophecy. You need to stick with, with other biblical things. This is another uh, factor. And, and I think Tom and I are in agreement that we can't separate the two. Uh, that if you take the totality of Scripture, uh, uh, having honest weights and scales and having justice for the fatherless and the widow... God made that a huge deal. And I'm not talking yeah. about in a U.N. globalist, secular kind of way yeah. of, of controlling other people, but by setting people free, uh, taking the shackles off rather than adding new ones. What, what are your thoughts on that, Mr. Lamb? I think that we have an absolute responsibility to our fellow man to help that person, every person that we meet, every person that we can, 
to live the best life that is possible for them. And in my experience, uh, the best life is the life that is free. And uh, to do what I can do to prevent uh, others from losing freedom is part of what I know I am called to do. And I, I, I am compelled to do what I can do to help all people be free. And I, I see no way to separate that from uh, – well, it's a, it, it is my spiritual uh, obligation. Uh, there's no question about that. Well, you know, we've mentioned on our show that if you go back in the Old Testament, you see when God judged the children of Israel – he judged them for idol worship and other spiritual idolatries, but he equally judged them for their injustice of the people, the fact they had dishonest weight and measures, they had corrupt financial systems, sure. they, sure. Had, they sure. had domineering activities, they didn't return the land. They had a law that said that the land had to be returned at the end of a jubilee. They disregarded mm -hmm. the law, and God thought that was worthy of judgment. And, and we, as evangelicals, many times sort of poo-poo that side of, of God's nature and, and focus on a very virtuous, uh, you know, what we consider more direct spiritual issues. But the reality is all of these are spiritual issues, are they not? They certainly are. And, you know, the, the bottom line, when you're in a room and it's dark and you're right by yourself, it doesn't matter whether you're Democrat, Republican, young, old, whatever, you know what's right. God makes it clear what's right and what we need to do. That's what we need to do, regardless of any excuse that we can create or manufacture. Mm -hmm. uh, but we, we can't get away from mm -hmm. what we know that we're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. and, and not until we accept what we're supposed to do and get about it as hard as we can do it, will we ever know satisfaction. And that's even true if you see the majority of other God-fearing evangelical Christians that are doing the same thing. Even if yep. they're ignoring it the same way, that does not absolve you from from being accountable to God and taking responsibility when you know what's right. Uh, one day, uh, God's going to tell some people, hey, you read Henry Lamb's book, you listened to Future Quake, you listened to Dr. Michael Kaufman, you listened to whoever... Uh, you knew these things, and you were responsible to respond no matter what other Christian people around you were doing. Uh, and and aren't we not responsible for, for the information and the truth that's been provided to us? We certainly are. Well, I've got, a, we, I, I've got another related question. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, uh, I remember a story about a talent mm -hmm. where one guy buried it in the ground, yeah. and the other guy used it. Uh, I, I think that's a pretty good lesson. Mm -hmm. Now, I remember one of them that took his ten talents and put it in uh, Freedom 21 uh, Credit Union. And got 200 more talents? And he had ten more that came out, too, yeah, and did some other things. I, I got one more uh, question before we wrap okay. up here. Uh, you know, on our show, we have not advocated that people you know, figuratively run to the hills on our uh, show, although, you know, no one knows what the future holds. Right. But but rather to get involved in society and to do your role and duty, and I think you've made this point, in protecting freedom and the rights for all, particularly those who are weak and need help, and restraining evildoers and supporting justice, you know, as, as the uh, Spirit gives us direction uh, and as the God gives us strength. What do you think are the merits of living what you have lived, which is an activist life, 
because we know there are many sacrifices in time and money that you've expressed. And we have a parade of people on our show that are heroes and heroines that have sacrificed wealth and other things in life to follow what they believe. Virtually all of them are Christians, and it was their, their Christian conviction that led them to it. Um, what do you think of the merits of living that kind of lifestyle, and what can we accomplish if we voluntary, voluntarily associate and organize our efforts together in common cause? Well, uh, for me, uh, it, 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 there isn't any question. Uh, it, it's what I have to do. I, I know what I have to do because when I was younger, I knew what I should have done and didn't do it and knew the consequences. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I know now that uh, the only way to have peace in this life is to do what I know I have to do, and mm-hmm. everybody else is in the same fix if they if they believe in God. Mm-hmm. Um, the part, the second part of your question, what could be the result? Well, and, and yeah, what, 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 how much could we accomplish if there, we there, all associated together, pulled on the rope in the same direction, and organized there, our efforts? There is no way to comprehend the magnitude of response that could be generated if we all got together working toward the same goal in some sort of coordinated fashion. Uh, we could change the the world, and we could do it relatively quickly. Uh, and by that, I mean over the next two to four years, we mm-hmm. could see we could see a tremendous change in our educational system, in uh, uh, in our uh, the whole uh, value system relating to free enterprise and private property rights and freedom. Uh, and, and this is not a, a, a partisan kind of thing at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it has to do with that, the point you made earlier on in the discussion. God is the grant of rights. Mm-hmm. God alone mm-hmm. endowed us with the freedom to do the best we can with what we have. And the yeah. only thing that government can do is limit and impose uh, restrictions on those freedoms. And we have to do the best we can to keep government from stifling those freedoms and destroying that gift that mm-hmm. God has given us. Right. And that is the constant tension that we are required uh, to, to, to resist that governmental power. Uh, we need government, but we need limited government. God gave us uh, founders and inspired them to design this system of government that we have. And we cannot sit on our tails and let uh, the elite globalists take it away mm-hmm. from us. We must do whatever it is we, we, that it takes to pass on to the next generation this gift that God has given us. Well, you know, uh, it, that's, that's, that's very well said. And... Um you know, uh, the Lord said you can't serve two masters. You'll love one and hate the other or, or vice versa. And he says, render to Caesar what's Caesar and God what's God's. And you can choose to make some things answerable to the state in your life or you can be answerable only to God. And it's really up to us how much we want to turn over to the state to operate in our life and how much we want to leave to God. But but it's in our hands. But I assume to, to live this lifestyle we're talking about, our listeners are going to have to set down the remote control Maybe pop in a few less DVDs. Uh, maybe even cut back on uh, taking their kids to all these sporting events, and take some time to go sit down there and hold a sign, 
protest, go to a meeting, let their voice be heard, take their children there and let, let them see them being real men and real women uh, and standing up and taking a stand for things. Would you recommend that as a preferred course of action for our listeners out there? I certainly do. And, and you know, it, it becomes a part of life, and it becomes more enjoyable. It becomes more rewarding to, to learn and do. It, it, it's far better, far better, much more rewarding to be involved and, and watch, uh, watch the accomplishments occur. And your children will respect you more, won't they, when they see you stand up? Yeah. Yes, they will. We, we've got about one minute left uh, on air here, and I, I just want to ask you if you can tell us what is the best way we, and I'm talking about Tom and I, and also our listeners, can assist you in your mission, and, and also tell us how they can find out more about the conference and other things that you're doing at your websites. Go to the website, sovereignty.net, mm-hmm. and uh, respond. Uh, you can buy stuff, you can contribute, you can read, you can pass on what you what you have learned. You can go to freedom21.org, learn all about the conference. You can join the credit union. Uh, you can join the credit union by clicking on the credit union logo on the Sovereignty International site. And uh, Sovereignty International will get one-third of your membership into our mm. endowment account. Cool. <laughs> mm. those, are, those are ways you can help us. Okay. And uh, any, anything else that we can do out there to uh, support what you're doing? Well, there will be. I, I think okay. uh, um, we need to stay in, in touch and uh, coordinate because there are events occurring that uh, you can help uh, inform people about. And uh, uh, we can help... Uh, inform our audience about things that you know about. Great. We need to Great. coordinate yeah. and work together. Absolutely. Well, we have an army of Futurians here, very, very intelligent, capable people that believe in what you're doing. And we'd like to uh, lock arms with your people and uh, resist the forces of evil. Did you enjoy your uh, your volunteer voyage or your initial voyage here on the Future Quake show? Oh, yeah. It's wonderful. I always enjoy talking to people who share common values and mm-hmm. goals. Mm-hmm. Well, you're welcome any time to come back, and I just want to thank you so much for your time mm-hmm. and for inspiring us today. Very good. It's been my pleasure. Well, thank you. God bless, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you again soon. Very good. Yeah. Goodbye. We're back here at Future Quake with Dr. Future. And Tom, no friend of New Math Bionic. Why New Math? Because I was just looking at like how long we have to record and not very long. We got yeah. we got just a few seconds to I don't know how we're going to get all this stuff in there to without say, using new math. Well, if you wouldn't interrupt us, if uh, just want to thank Henry Lamb for coming. What He's a great, great show! Yeah, super inspiring. Um, Take this to heart. Share this with other people. And I think we need to support him in this credit union endeavor and other things he's doing. Yeah. Uh, but we probably need to bring in Merv to tell you how to get a hold of us. Yep. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we're down to 10 seconds. Out of the gate, let's get out of here. Okay. I don't know what's well, coming out of my mouth. Let's just go, quick. Okay. 
Tomorrow is tomorrow's tremors. Till then, we hope your future is very bright. Have a good day. Ciao, baby. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake. Welcome to the Friday edition of the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom. I'm out of drink bionic. <laughs> because we've been recording for a while here in the recording booth. Yes, yes. I haven't had anything to drink. Mm-hmm. But it's not strong drink. No. And it's not even six in the morning, like they said. Nine. The Pentecost. I thought it was nine. Uh, yeah, yeah, the third six, hour of the day. Third hour of the day, I guess yeah, it would be, be nine. nine Thanks for yeah. clarifying that yeah, for okay. me here. In front of tens of thousands of people. Oh, that's okay. Like I got all blubbery like last week. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's great to be with you, yeah. uh, and um, we, we've uh, just finished a recording for another show coming mm-hmm. up that I think you'll really look forward to, but we don't want to give it away. You'll have there to listen next week. There you go. You're going to hear a lot of Tom. I'll, I'll, that's all I'll tell you. <laughs> you're going to hear a lot of Tom. You may want to find something else to do but for But tomorrow, or today, you're going to hear a lot about news because it is what on Fridays? Um, the time that uh, I get off from work early and go have cheesecake. Is actually what Friday is for me. Yeah, that's a long name for the show. I don't know yeah. why we chose Friday's, that name for it. Friday's review of the news or Saturday's future Today, news. tomorrow's tremors or today's review of the future's news. Oh, is that what it and is? And you were like Has Lucy, changed? Lucy holding the football <laughs> for Charlie Brown. Uh, actually, we cover the news here every Friday on Future Quake. Um, but I just want to make a couple little quick announcements. Um, uh, as always, be sure and check out... Uh, uh, worldofprophecy.com. Check the forum. Word we have up. discussions of topics we talk about on Future Quake there. Uh, mm-hmm. There's different lists for the different shows. Mm-hmm. Cool group of people to meet there. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, uh, you need to go to our friend Tom Bionic's blog here mm-hmm. at futurequakeradio.blogspot.com Word up. where you're able to elaborate in great exhaustive detail yeah. on all of the topics we cover and gives people a chance to post to share with everybody else there mm-hmm. there's what their be thoughts a, are. There's going to be a great one up uh, about the time that I I do all this one about Ivan Panin and sevens okay. in the Bible. Okay. I hope you like the seven. You said it's a great one? Yes. Well, then who wrote it then? Um, Ivan Panin. Oh, I don't know. You're the one that actually put it together, though. Yeah, I put it together. Right. He wrote he wrote the bulk of it. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, be sure and check that out. But I also want to mention a couple events that are coming up. Um, if you look at the front of futurequake.com, you will see that... Um, the 4th of July weekend in Roswell, New Mexico, uh, yours truly here, Dr. Future, has been asked to speak at the Ancient of Days conference. Uh, it's a Christian conference about UFOs. And uh, if you hurry, you still might be able to get a hotel room there at the Best Western mm-hmm. uh, where the uh, it's being held in the conference room there. Uh, there be lots of people there, people like Lynn Marzulli, Russ Tisdar, and a number of people, Mike Heiser, people on our show. Highly recommend you check it out. But also, there's going to be one in Mansfield, Ohio, uh, in uh, the western, western central Ohio, just north of Dayton, mm-hmm. uh, called the Politics, Prophecy, and the Supernatural Conference that we'll actually be having Lynn Marzulli, a gentleman named Gary Ka, and Russ Dizdar. And this is going to be a really great conference. Um, going to cover a lot of the far-out kind of stuff that we talk here on Future Quake, mm-hmm. but it's a great Christian prophecy conference. Really? I would really like to be there if I can. I'm going to try to. I have another commitment in Chicago right about that same time, so I don't know Man, if I can work like them both out. You were like jet-setting 
No, Summertime just got a bunch of stuff going on. The other things related to what we're talking about, mm-hmm. also in July uh, later, uh, is the uh, uh, Pre-Wrath Rapture uh, Conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I thought gonna, you were going to say the Pre-Wrath Rapture was happening in late July. Well, we'll find that's out. That's like, wow. But uh, I, actually, there'd be a lot of stuff that had to be crammed in between now and then. I was like, was boy, I'm going to go move to the mountains right now. Yeah, it'd be a lot of stuff happening. Yeah. Quick temple thrown up. Yeah. Uh, actually, it's going to be uh, in... Uh, uh, Wisconsin, where it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And if you go to uh, prewrathrapture.com, they have all the details there. If you want to find out about the uh, uh, Politics, Prophecy, and the Supernatural Conference, I recommend you going to shatterthedarkness.net, <laughs> which is Russ Dizdar's website. Yeah. And uh, be sure and try to support some of those if you can. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend it. Um, before we get into the hard news, I just have a really intriguing email I'd like to share, if you don't mind. All 15 pages of it? No, it's 20 pages, um, but I think you'll find it very interesting. Okay. Plus, it says nice things about us, so why shouldn't well, we read it? No, self-praise is no praise. Well, it's not so like we're going to read the ones that say bad it. things. Yeah. Okay, this is from Brother Ryan uh, out there who just, just sent this to us. He says, hey, fellas, I want to write to you about a few things. I thought, uh-oh, it's going to be bad, but yeah. no, it's fine. First of all, I'm relieved to see that there are finally some representatives of Christ our Lord on the airwaves talking about the real, capital real, hard issues rather than evangelizing an ostrich syndrome approach like mm-hmm. the rest of the church has done for so long. This guy's a genius. There's I like him already. There's people out there that get it. There wow. are people like there. Well, I won't say they're like us. I don't want to insult them. No. But, but they're they much get smarter it. and yes. better looking with faces not built for radio. <laughs> That's right. If we continue to bury our heads in the sand about the reality of these things, it will only contribute further to the damage that Satan and his armies are trying to evoke on mankind. Mm-hmm. I believe that many of these secret things are all different aspects of the coming great delusion, which will be the primary cause of the great falling away described in the Bible. I think this will begin with the coming disclosure to the world. Uh, coming disclosure, like alien disclosure. Mm-hmm. Uh, man will be presented as a, uh, with a new uh, progenitor in full 3D HD movie format, showing how we were created at the beginning of time and how they have been playing the role of God throughout history, shaping the world. All for our benefit, of course. Mm-hmm. Which sounds a lot like that movie Knowing that was just out that I saw. Uh, <laughs> Great. That, uh, that, yeah, yeah, it's verbatim. They will say that they inspired man to write the Bible, Koran, etc., and now they have returned to usher us to a new time. Oh, and of course, Jesus was one of them. Uh, to most of the world, it will be indisputable evidence, and those who don't believe it will be despised. Hey, man, I've got my gypsy guitar. I don't mind living in, like, you know, just sort of playing for tips on the street and trying to tell people that. Jesus was risen, even though that there's aliens and stuff. Because, okay. I mean, part of this whole plan is they're going to, like, anybody who doesn't go along with their gig, they're going to, like, not right. not let them buy and sell. That's right. He says this will be very convincing uh, to mankind, and many will give up their faith to believe this lie. Mm-hmm. God will allow this delusion to flourish, even that even the very elect would be deceived if it were possible. Mm-hmm. This will be the greatest falling away the church has ever seen and will make us remaining Christians the new global scapegoats. Uh, which I think we agree with all this. Um, yeah. Just to bear this with me really here, there's smart. some more things here to say. Uh, what you are doing through your radio show is critically important. You, oh, are, you are educating... One guy who gets it. Yeah, you are educating the Bible-believing Christian on these matters in an effort to prevent them from being led astray. We have to get the word out that these things are real and that they are here to stay at least for the immediate future. The church has got to begin taking a stance on this before it is too late. I just wanted to say thank you for sticking your necks out and doing this. I know you're probably not super popular with much of the church, but that will change with time. Boys, mm-hmm. you got that right. Lord. You are playing a crucial role that God has chosen for you, and you have stepped up and answered his calling. 
Your courage and selflessness is refreshing to see, and I commend you for taking the risk. I'm not mm-hmm. sure how much longer this type of information in the media will be allowed in our country. Well, if Department of Homeland Security has their way, it's very little time. Mm-hmm. But every show you do helps save souls. I honestly believe that. Oh. Man, I mean, what a shot in the arm. Somebody yeah, can give thanks, us and encourage us. He says he has a few questions for us. Okay. With the understanding you have of what is likely to come in the next few years, what recommends, recommendations do you have for Bible-believing Christians to prepare? Mm-hmm. Much of my family ascribes to the just let God take care of it mentality in the face of much of this, and they choose not to be ready to handle difficult circumstances because they believe God will get them through anything. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on this approach? Is it biblical? I think if Noah would have taken this approach, none of us would be here. Well, that's a good analogy. Mm. How can I get my family interested in preparing? Well, that's a tough one. Um, I would say, for me, the best thing for getting people to listen was you know, listening to actually to Mish and the different people there speaking mm-hmm. experientially. The economic side of Yeah, the economic side stuff. Of I was telling people in August, I said, by the end of the year, you know, the New York Stock Exchange, the Dow is going to be like at 9,000. And mm-hmm. he would go, you're out of your mind. My dad mm-hmm. actually called me nuts. He said, yeah. I think you're crazy. But he calls you nuts for other reasons, oh, too. Oh, he calls well. me nuts. But he doesn't do, do that quite as much now. Mm-hmm. And... um you know, continued, I would say, continued exposure to the truth. And if you can actually predict some of these things, like you're sure it's going right. to happen, you know, the stock market right. thing in retrospect was actually fairly easy, mm-hmm. you know. Well, let, let me just say that after the election, you know, mm-hmm. we tried hard to do our little small part mm-hmm. to try to educate people and encourage them to do the right thing before the election. Mm-hmm. And it was very discouraging for me about how I saw other Christians respond and other things during mm-hmm. that. And I sort of made a, a a commitment then that we need to focus more of our time now on preparing those who have ears to hear. Mm-hmm. And I've not done that good a job in being able to have shows on that are oh. purely prepping those who need yeah. to do it, but I believe, I'm, I'm committed here with Ryan, that we need to spend a large part of our time this next year or beyond mm-hmm. having people on that are doing it. And in fact, uh, just having Henry Lamb on was important because he gave a creative solution, at least in the near term, with our money, mm-hmm. something we can do with people we can trust, and godly people to get out of the Babylon system, mm-hmm. and that's that's one aspect. Yeah. But I'm looking for other creative solutions. We've done a few shows on preparing for hard times and, and what to do as far as uh, people who are experts in storing up stuff. We need to do more of that, and particularly people who have some novel ways to doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, ones that don't have as many drawbacks. So, Ryan, I want to make a commitment to you on the air here that we're going to get more of those shows on. Uh, And if anybody out there has recommended people that that have particularly unique creative ways to accomplish something where they've thought through the things that can go wrong and they have a a way that's very promising, we want to have it on the show. I've got one, actually. They they have a... uh, uh a forum on World of Prophecy related to that, actually, where you can go and research that stuff. Okay. Yeah. And so we need to find some people off of there and yeah. get them on our show, Yeah. as well cool. as encouraging people to go to World of mm-hmm. Prophecy. Okay. Ryan, we, we're going to get on that. Uh, though your show, here's another point. Though your shows, uh, through your shows, we know now know much of the cause. We also need to focus on what our response should be. I believe preparedness starts with the local community. If this is true, it would be prudent to facilitate a show that discusses bartering, establishing lasting quality relationships with local farmers and food producers, Mm -hmm. long-term food storage, and maybe renewing old skills that our grandparents were familiar with in the days of the Great Depression. Mm -hmm. Basically, ways to begin building a self-sustaining community. This will also save lives. Mm -hmm. Again, I agree 100%. Mm -hmm. Um, And in fact, uh, I have been asked to write a chapter of a book 
that'll be something that Brother Tom Horn's involved in really? on this topic. Mm-hmm. And I allude to this very topic in this oh. chapter because it's on my mind too. Uh-huh. But we need to start having shows on it. So okay. that's another thing we need to do. And I'll tell you, somebody who really harkened back in the early days of our show was Robert Hyde, mm-hmm. who said, you need to start getting groups in your community of like-minded people. I remember just that just interview. Just brainstorm. Yeah. What are your strengths? What are your individual strengths you can bring to the group? Weaknesses, things you can do. You need to do things out of the system. And believe me, the government is going to be looking for ways to crack down on this. They're already trying to crack down on the local farmers right now with this new legislation yeah. that's going to track every P and C. Everybody, everybody listening to Future Quick should go and research uh, Codex Alimentarianus, where they're actually trying to outlaw nutrients, make them make nutrients illegal under the UN and UNESCO, uh, the right. UNESCO's food branch. You know. And there's new legislation right now that's going to basically put all your local farmers and growers, even people in individual gardens, out of business mm-hmm. because they're trying to stop this. So you're going to remember what Jesus said. He said, um, you want to be innocent as doves, but as shrewd as wolves. Mm-hmm. I believe that's the word, the term used. And yeah, wise as serpents, I thought. That's okay. I could be wrong. Well, you're probably reading one of them funny Bibles. <laughs> Me and no. my Jeffersonian Bible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Just kidding, no, folks. No, I don't really do this. Seriously, um, I agree with you 100%, Ryan. Yeah. And anybody has any suggestions on some novel ways to do it or people who've already gotten it started that we could find out mm-hmm. their experiences, we'd appreciate it. Uh, even if they need to go quietly and go under a pseudonym, mm-hmm. which we may have to do even more frequently. You know, I, I saw, gosh, uh, no, I'm not going to say it because I haven't talked to him about it. Okay, well, we'll get back with this on that. His third point is I would like a series that can be played at the local church level. We need to begin getting our church up to speed on these topics so we can engage their resources in educating their members before disclosure occurs. I got it. Megiddo 1 and 2, Endgame, and uh, what was that other one that that, uh, Chris Pinto did before that about the alien agenda? Uh, Chris Pinto did? Yeah, he did a movie about that, that... it was his very first documentary. You got me. We'll talk about that offline. But, okay. But but also what I'm reading here is that we need to actually start saying how how do we start preparing on how to survive and live like yeah. this. Um, I'm in agreement with this too. If you give me thought to how this could be conducted, or do you know anyone already working on this type of initiative, to be truly effective, I would expect that would require first getting a couple of major national pastors on board to promote such an effort. Mm-hmm. Well, let me say this right on that last point you have. I think now I have been thinking on the same exact lines uh, as that you have right on this and mulling it around at the back of my head, and I've been sort of been under the tyranny of the urgent with our shows to not really put feet on it. But that's something I want to talk to Brother Chris Pinto about. I yeah. think he may be interested in something like this to help. Mm-hmm. But uh, we've got people like Chuck Baldwin who might be willing to help as a pastor, mm-hmm. uh, Pastor Tom Horn and some others. Mm-hmm. But what has happened with the Mayak report and with the uh, – the DHS report has yeah. basically put crosshairs. You know, in the in the DHS report, it actually says in there, I just read it. Anybody who believes in end times prophecy. Is a is danger it. that needs to be monitored. Yeah. If you believe in end times prophecy, or yeah. well, if you're pro-life. Well, I guess in the, if that's the case, we should probably say hi to the DHS. Yeah, hey, how are you all doing up? here? Yeah. Glad you enjoyed our show. Yeah, you're working try, for try Satan. To, try to get Sorry. up our numbers. Yeah. Um, but uh, Make sure you serve my favorite kind of cheese in the FEMA camp. <laughs> You're crazy. Oh, gosh, uh, you don't know the half of it. Anyway, um, I completely agree with you, Ryan. And uh, let's see what we can all put our heads together by getting this steamroller. <clears throat> uh, he says, I will leave you with this for now. Thanks again for all you do. I'm super proud of you guys and look forward to many more great shows ahead of you. 
Tom, I'll be following your blog. I love getting your perspective on things as well as Dr. Futures. Mm, cool. You guys make a great duo. Sincerely, Ryan. Well, that's awesome. I like yeah, Ryan. You know, it sounds like we're pandering to ourselves there with well, it. Well, like, so like I said when I started, self-praise is no praise. So <laughs> let's just get this guy to do Brother, it. Brother Ryan, um, that's a real encouragement to hear. It, yeah. It, it sounds like... Uh, well, not only are you a kindred spirit, but you're grasping the very kind of things we're trying to do. Yeah. And it's an encouragement to us to keep putting the elbow grease, mm-hmm. keep doing the effort. We certainly don't do this for money. That's for, for the case. Simply since we have zero uh, yeah. for it. But um, what you want to do is exactly what I think needs to be done. And that's an encouragement for me to make it a priority. Brother Ryan, you or anybody else of our listeners, if you also want to help get things started while we do things here on the communications end with FutureQuake, we don't mind being followers, too. Yeah, uh, you know, we've started things like documentary nights at yeah. various times here and different things, and there's all sorts of spin-off things we need to be doing. Mm-hmm. Education's a big part of it, but we're going to have to put feet to things about actually preparing and starting to live a lifestyle when we're basically hunted or, you know, persona mm-hmm. non grata in society. Yeah, we're almost there, but we haven't seen anything yet. Yep. So. Do you have a story you'd like to share with us? Oh, geez. So do you want to hear about the New York Times comparing uh, comparing in positive light the stimulus that Hitler put on the, on the Third Reich to bring him out of poverty? Or do you want to hear about the fact that uh, uh, the Northeastern Intelligent Analysis Company uh, or website <clears throat> uh, uh, surveilled the big, the big tea parties? Read the second one. Uh Okay, this comes from uh, uh, the Northeastern Intelligence Analysis, uh, dated 19th April 2009. Even as average Americans were planning to get out of town and to get out in towns and cities to demonstrate against big government and big taxes, the Federal Bureau of Intelligence Investigation, the FBI, uh, surveillance was being unleashed upon them. In fact, unsuspecting tax day Tea Party participants were being closely watched during the demonstration demonstration planning stages in a covert operation that began on or about March 23rd, 2009. If you, if you were one of the estimated 750,000 Americans who attended one of the 600 tea parties last week, you might have been seen uh, on uh, hidden cameras covering the event. Media cameras were, only the, were not the only cameras taking video at these events. Something that has at least one current FBI agent concerned over the future of America. According to this agent, the same agent who provided the Northeast, the Northeast Intelligence Networks exclusively the unreleased photographs of the 11 missing Egyptian students uh, who were on the subject of, who were the subject of an FBI bolo in August 2006, placed his concerns for, for true patriots of the U.S. over his own career when he confided that the covert surveillance was planned and performed at each of the tea parties that took place last Tuesday. Does that mean even in Nashville, yeah. Hendersonville? Yes, yes. They're it, embedded. But now all this is consistent because these reports that just came out said that people who are into this stuff need to be monitored. Uh-huh. So we are to expect that they're embedding people in there to mm-hmm. to spy on us. Yes, that is exactly what they're saying. Uh, in fact, this... This guy goes on to say, he's, he's unnamed, but he's right. a source high up in the intelligence community, uh, says, The Department of Homeland Security Intelligence Assessment that is receiving so much attention is just the tip of the iceberg. And the true patriotic citizens of this country are on the Titanic. 
This is this is what bothers me. It goes far beyond that assessment. There have been very, very many significant changes made over the last few years that redirect, redirect the focus and assessments of the intelligence community internally. These changes have greatly accelerated under this administration, and the, the threats have been redefined uh, to include those who used to be patriots. It's not only chilling, but absolutely insulting to God-fearing Americans. That is uh, strong language. These right are there. people on the inside finally saying enough. Yeah, enough. yeah. This is this is uh, uh, somebody that's that runs is like an undersecretary of one of these agencies, supposedly. So, so people are going to have to make a decision. Either they're going to be cowards, as Christians and as U.S. citizens, they're going to be cowards, stay mm-hmm. at home, keep their head clear, don't risk anything, mm-hmm. harassment from the government or lawsuits or things, or they're going to get it over with, get out there and make their case known. I'm not, and I'm not talking about violent mm-hmm. rebellion or any kind of violent or anything, even illegal or unlawful, but just talking about actually making your your, your feelings known that mm-hmm. these people are acting acting in an unlawful fashion. Mm-hmm. They're ignoring the Constitution. I think so. So you're going out actually and pointing out who the lawbreakers are. Mm-hmm. We're not saying people to like break the law, no. honor the law, but pointing out the lawbreakers. Mm-hmm. But if people do that, they're going to eventually get their face in these databases and things. It's probably if either you're going to be a coward or you might as well get it over with and get your face in there mm-hmm. sooner there rather go. than later, right? Well, uh, yeah. FEMA camps are have always been a good mission field. Just remember Solzhenitsyn. You know, he said that when when they'd Wild have one or two guys, yeah, 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 that guy. When 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 they would come in the apartment late at night and knock the door open and drag somebody out, he regretted all the times he was in the camps. Mm-hmm. Why didn't they just run downstairs and beat up the guy and throw him out? Mm-hmm. They said we could have resisted them easy then, mm-hmm. but we were all cowered in fear in our apartments. We easily had the numbers the to Bolshevik, stop this. The Bolshevik Revolution started. Uh, the Bolsheviks started as a political party. They splintered into four or five factions, uh, and the people who at the time had control of uh, during after the revolution actually had control of all the government building were the Mensheviks, mm-hmm. which was a splinter group of the, the yeah. Bolshevik political thing. And uh, the Bolsheviks hired uh, hired a, a like a contingent of sailors for like five, four or five thousand dollars to go in and take that over. So it was literally. Uh, a few dozen men that went and that mm-hmm. went and changed that course. All they had to do, all the Mensheviks had to do, was go. No, this isn't happening. Mm-hmm. We're taking over. And the Mensheviks were a much, much more moderate yeah. sort of thing. They were in favor of actually yeah. bringing the Tsar back as a figurehead. But they piggybacked on this, much like even the people in the Tea Parties have to be very careful to make sure. You know, we had a lot of politicians go to these meetings, I saw, mm-hmm. who actually opposed a lot of the things the Tea Party stood for, mm-hmm. but they went and latched on because they thought they got some popular support. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're going to have to watch about people latching on like these Bolsheviks do. But I want to make clear to people, mm-hmm. not talking anything about violent or even unlawful activity. Mm-hmm. You're talking about actually pointing out who the lawbreakers are yeah. and being in support of the rule of law mm-hmm. uh, by, by being there and supporting it. Mm-hmm. So um, people just have to decide. Yeah. Uh, yeah. if, you're either going to, have to lock up your house and completely let lawlessness reign, or you're going to go on and bite the bullet and mm-hmm. let your face get out there and be a man, be a woman. Yep. You're going to die with your boots on, or you're going to live as a coward. Can I can I read one real quick? Just okay. Just something. To There's add more on. to this story. That's if you want to add more, right on. Um, according to this unimpeachable source, a single-page confidential directive issued by the FBI headquarters in Washington. Uh, was sent to each of the 56 field offices located across the United States uh, on March 23rd. 
instructing the special agents in charge of those to verify the date, time, and location of each Tea Party within their region and supply that information to FBI headquarters in Washington. The source stated this correspondence, uh, scored, scores, correspondence termed the Tea Party's political demonstration and added that dissemination of the, direct, of the directive was tightly controlled. Not all agents were privy to this correspondence uh, uh, who compared the dissemination um, to do not, you know, uh, you can't, can't show it, you know, mm-hmm. top secret. Uh, in addition to obtaining the confirmation of the location and time of each demonstration, each field office was instructed to obtain or confirm the identity of the individuals involved in the actual planning and coordination of the event in each specific region and include the local or regional Internet website address, if any. The information collected by region was then reported, reportedly sent to the FBI headquarters. The source alleges that a second directive was issued on or about April 6th that reportedly instructed each SAC to coordinate and conduct either at the field office level and or with the appropriate resident agency covert video surveillance, surveillance and data collection of the Tea Party, party uh, demonstrators. Um, was, it was supposed to be performed with discrete fixed or mobile positions and was to be performed independently and outside of the purview of local law enforcement. There you go. Okay. This one actually goes on, but um, I don't want to. Well. It's it's gnarly. It is gnarly. Well, that's the end of our time. Oh, sorry, man. No story for Dr. Future today. Mm. We won't get to hear about the new religion Tony Blair is forming. Or the fact that the New York Everybody Times uh, compared, uh, said like Hitler, basically said like, well, look at all the good things that Hitler did. Well, speaking of Hitler, let's bring in Merv <laughs> to uh, tell you all how to contact us at FutureQuake. Futurequake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we're out of time. Wow. Any last words? Uh, Not like firing squad last words, I just mean for the week. No. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, come back next week. We have a special show with a very special guest. Uh, even more special than normal special. Bring we, your hanky. We hope you enjoyed uh, this week's show. And please contact us. But in the meantime, we hope your future is very bright. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. 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 There are new trees crowding out old realities. There's revolution. Feeling like a fresh new breeze